This is the Four Below Border Battle Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Four Below Border Battle Podcast. It's me, Dom, with my buddy Mike again. Hello, everyone. Hello, Dom. Um, happy Wednesday. And uh, is there anything you'd like to say right away just to, to get out there? I know what you mean. Uh, well, obviously, I'm talking about fantasy football. Oh, you're going to bring it up <laughs> right away. <laughs> uh, so, so we... We mentioned last week um, two matchups in fantasy football across our two leagues. Um, both leagues, we played each other, and I came out 2-0 and in both of them, you know, winning both of them. So uh, pretty sweet results in both, and one that actually came down to the end. Um, do you want to share the story, or should I continue? Um, yeah, just you go ahead. It's going to so, uh, either way, so. So the Dynasty League is pretty much a blowout, so we'll leave that out. But the Redraft League, um, going into Sunday Night Football, we were pretty much tied, I think. Uh, you had Tyler Lockett and Chris Carson. Um, I had Kamara and Jared Cook, so he had two guys going in the Sunday Night game. They ended up scoring a lot of points, too. Lockett and Carson both had touchdown catches, I think, right? Is that? I don't know how many points exactly, but... Um, yeah, it, it was... I had... Uh... Lockett and yeah, and Carson both had touchdowns. Yep. Right. So you you got up to a pretty good lead, and I wasn't projected to win, but I was like forty three or forty four, something like that. Yeah, something something like that. So I needed that. I needed like forty five points from Alvin Kamara and Jared Cook on Monday Night Football, which was possible. Obviously, I won, ended up winning. Um, but I needed to have some good uh, games from those guys. Well, it came down to literally the end. Um, I was down by two and a half points going into the Saints' final possession when the Saints were down by 10 points. Um, garbage time. Instead of taking shots down the field, Drew Brees decided to dump it off to Alvin Kamara a go few times. Figure. Go figure. Yeah, it, let's uh, not go down the field for the <laughs> touchdown. Let's not try to. Let's not just go down the field, take a field goal quick, and then do the onside kick like any team who wants to win would try to do. Let's go ahead and dump it down to Kamara twice in that same drive with no chance at a touchdown. It made no sense, um, but it helped me win the fantasy game. Yeah, I won by a couple points there. Um, just just squeezed by you. So I'm now thankful that, that the Saints. Out. McCaffrey's out now too. A lot of injuries in week two across the league. Um, affects fantasy football in a big way. Fortunately, knock on wood here, I was able to skate by without any big big time injuries. But uh, you were bit by the injury bug there with McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I was, and it hurt a lot. I, yeah, I'm not happy about it at all. I almost made a reckless trade in the other in the other league just because of it. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely moments in in fantasy football where Maybe you get off to a slow start or you just have a bad week and, and those reckless trades come sneaking in your head, man. And, you know, I, I'm not going to say the trade. I know what you're talking about. I'm not going to mm -hmm. say it out loud because I don't want to endanger the potential of that trade happening. In case any league mates are, are, are listening, keep that between us. But, yeah, fantasy football has been a lot of fun so far this year. Um, you know, I was fortunate to get the win in both our leagues this week. Um, unfortunately for you, um, you were not able to get the win. We never came up with a bet, though. No, we didn't. We should have. 
No, you know, we I, shouldn't I, have. Yeah, I mean, easy to say now um, right. that we should have for me, obviously. But um, yeah, maybe next time. Who knows? But all in all, have, it was a, it was a really really good distraction from what happened earlier in the football week. Yeah, so I guess we should talk a little bit about um, a little bit about our teams here. You know, being that we're the Border Battle podcast. Um, Not much of a border battle, if you ask me. <laughs> as, as it stands right now, the Green Bay Packers, my Green Bay Packers, are two and zero, and the Minnesota Vikings um, are zero and two. I didn't really see this start coming. I think we had predicted going into this week. Both predicted the Vikings would win. We both predicted the Lions would lose the Packers. Um, we were pretty much dead on with the Packers game. Um, yeah, I think so. I, I don't. We can kind of touch on that later, but maybe we we get going, um, dive headfirst into this Minnesota Vikings situation. Uh, you know, they fall to the Colts. They go to zero and two. Um, just off the bat, where's the where's the panic button for you? Um, if we had a soundboard, I'd be firing all the alarms. Uh, so it's it's full go. Um, oh man, DefCon five. So usually, like if the Vikings start off pretty poor, usually there's some silver linings. It's like, hey, you know, this guy's doing well. We can kind of build around here. We played two good teams, but here's the deal: there was nothing to look at that game and say there was anything promising. Nothing. I was watching that game all by my lonesome in my living room. And I had to shut it off in the middle of the third quarter because I was about to jump out the window. I there was nothing to there was no positivity that came out of that game at all. There was the one Eric Wilson interception that got me a little juice, but other than that, nothing at all. Yeah, I mean, looking at the box score, um, you know, I didn't get to watch really any of the Vikings game because the Packers were playing at the same time, um, so I was very dialed into that game, obviously. Um, but just you know, looking into the box score, kind of seeing the reaction of of the Vikings fans, um, you know, it was just. Would you say it's Kirk Cousins? I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to kick a horse while it's down. Um, you know me, but I mean, I think it's worth having a conversation and just you know looking at this team as a whole. Um, and maybe we start with Kirk Cousins, but like he's got to be falling like below your expectations, I would imagine. Um, well, yeah, I wouldn't say his game against the Packers in week one was poor by any means. I think he played pretty okay. And neither do I. I think it was pretty, I mean, they didn't win. Obviously a lot of it was catch up, you know, trying to score quick points, but it looked like he was playing and throwing the ball pretty well in week one. Yeah. I thought he was dialed in for sure. Like his passes downfield were good. His underneath throws were good. And that first week it just looked like, oh, okay, Kirk Cousins is going to, Looks like he's going to have a pretty solid year just because he was hitting, like, even when they were down by a lot, he was hitting all of his throws. And that's like a high-pressure instance. So you think, oh, there's a silver lining there. At least Kirk Cousins is throwing the ball downfield, and he has a little bit of confidence. Now in this Colts game, man, I don't even know what to say. He wasn't on anything. Like, he couldn't hit receivers in the hands. He couldn't, like, put it next to the sidelines. He couldn't throw He couldn't even throw it underneath with confidence. And you know, and you have to think like, yeah, Kirk Cousins has like one or two games a year where you're just like pounding your head against a wall because you just don't understand what's going on. Um, but usually it's never this bad. Never like to the point of like you're just looking at him and you're like, they could have put in their backup in that game and played better. Yeah, I mean, like like I said, 
I didn't really pay much attention to the game. Obviously, I was, I was scoreboard checking. Um, so just generally, like, what just like what happened? Like, what the hell happened to the Vikings this week? I mean, um, we kind of we kind of led in with Cousins there, and and I think it's easy to point the finger at Cousins because you look right. at that box score and you see he had like a 15 quarterback rating, which I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback rating worse than that. Um, I have either. Well, so, I don't know, what so, was Josh Freeman's rating? On that oh man, Giants game that was a pretty bad rating. Probably really bad too. Yeah, I, was, I, I wouldn't. It was know, up there. But, I mean, yeah, but I think so. The main concern about this team, I'll put it out for everyone to hear right now, is not Kirk Cousins. He is not your number one concern at this moment. What the problem is is when nobody is firing on any cylinder at all. Like Dalvin Cook, for the most part, has been pretty mediocre, and that's not what Dalvin Cook is. Dalvin Cook is supposed to be like a top five, six running back in the league. He's been pretty mediocre. He hasn't busted off a big run yet. He hasn't mm-hmm. had like that, oh, there he goes moment, you know? He, he hasn't been there. Um, I think as far as everything else, like Ola B.C. Johnson, personally, is not a number two receiver in any world. And right, I, and I, just, I don't think we would have said that going into the season either. There's no, a lot I mean, of question marks on that. It's so evident. Like, he's just not getting open. From what you see, he's not getting open. When the ball's thrown his way, he's not making – like the best of it. I think he had like two drops in that game and then Kirk was just done throwing to him. Um, but the, the problem is, is is a hundred percent. Like the biggest issue that I have with this team so far is the play calling. Gary Kubiak has not been Gary Kubiak this year. Gary Kubiak's like the guy that runs the ball, has those really successful running backs, no matter who they are. And he uh, does all the play action passing and he does, and I just I, I don't know why they're throwing it so much on first and second down. I, I've never seen that as far as like the opposite orders that we've had before. Why are we throwing it so much on first and second down? And they're not just like like okay if you throw it it's a screen pass or underneath pass sure okay I can get it it's kind of like a run a high percentage know? play right but they're it's like they're going out there in first down and they're telling Kurt to throw the ball deep to someone and that's never. That's never a great idea unless you've got like a top five tier quarterback that they just got scored on. Then you want to throw the ball deep to like kind of change the momentum really quick. But it's just I I don't understand what's going on with the play calling. It's been two weeks in a row where Kirk Cousins has been backed up at his own like two was it the two two yard line and yeah they're calling like five step dropbacks and throwing people deep, like you're not giving your quarterback a chance at that point. Right. I think the Green Bay game, and you're referring to the safeties, I believe. Yep, yep, so yep. two safeties in two weeks for the Vikings is is really not pretty at all. Um, you know, I remember the game, the Green Bay game, they called play action, I think, on the on like the goal line. Yeah. And that it, it just seems like an, a very odd um, – I mean, not that play, play action is a bad – thing to do i think it's especially with the vikings that should be yeah. a very like, strong part of their offense but to call it on the goal line you know you're giving the packers a chance to give them some time to get after cousins in case he, you know he drops back and there's no one open to get a sack and and you saw it you know there's a safety there um i don't know if the one this week was play action um or not but again two safeties in two weeks is not what you're used to seeing and it's not good it, it really looks poorly on the offensive line. Um, but I'm glad you brought up the point about Gary Kubiak because 
I hadn't really thought about him much as like a negative. Um, I think going into the season, there might, there maybe should have been a little bit more questioning of, you know, or maybe not so much questioning, but just like uncertainty about the play calling. You know, is Gary Kubiak going to be able to find a rhythm with this offense? Because we saw Kevin Stefanski call plays for this team for the better part of what, two seasons before um, Cleveland hired him to be their head coach. And I don't know. I felt like the, the general sentiment between all of us, you know, in our friend group was, you know, Kevin Stefanski wasn't, you know, he wasn't really a special like coach. No, I, I didn't feel like Vikings fans really were going to miss that loss. Not that he wasn't a good coach. And obviously, you know, time will tell if he's going to be a good head coach. But um, th- there seemed to be a lot of faith in Gary Kubiak going into the season, and and I guess now that faith is really being questioned because. Maybe Stefanski was a little bit better than people want to give him credit for. Right. Um, maybe it's just going to take some time for Kubiak um, to get more into a rhythm with his offense, and maybe Kirk Cousins is not used to that um, play calling too. You know, it, you know, is it the play calling of him telling him to throw throw the ball down the field and setting him up for those kind of plays, or is Kirk just not really sure with what's going on with the play calling? I don't know, but it 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 is an interesting point you brought up. That's always me in question. Like, I guess play calling is so hard to even judge because you never know if it's the, the play calling or if it's just like the quarterback not understanding what he has to do during the plays. And right. I think last year we thought with Stefanski, at least I thought for the most part, and I think everyone else can agree, I thought that Stefanski was just kind of a puppet. And yeah. Kubiak was doing the play call, was was like telling him this is the game plan, do this and you'll be fine. Because it it, last year it looked like a Kubiak offense. The running backs were solid. It was it all revolved around the run game and then the play action passing. And that's like stereotypical, like Gary Kubiak play calling. Mm-hmm. But now I'm looking at this year and it's like 10, 15 times a game where I'm just like, what kind of play was that? First down, you're going to throw it deep to who? Ola BC Johnson. What are you doing? Like you can't just, you can't just assume that that's going to work. And then there's nothing else there. Like, I don't know. And I just feel like Kirk seems very uncomfortable in the offense. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's not seeing every, the whole field. And I don't know if it's just like a switch up of like just not having Diggs there as kind of a fail safe maybe because Diggs would just get open downfield. And once he hits that big play, he's kind of like coasting through the rest of the game. He just kind of has that groove. Um, but yeah, it's been very frustrating to watch the play calling and just how little it makes sense for situational football. Like, right away in the game, you really want to get those gears going. You want to do short pass, short pass, screen pass, run, and make sure you run the ball a ton just to get that. You want to tire out the defenses right away, and then you can start airing the ball out. And I just, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's it's interesting you brought up the Stefan Diggs, and I think that maybe this is a good segue into some of their offseason moves. Um, look, they're being pretty heavily criticized this week by the media, like the national media, the coverage on like NFL Network, ESPN and all that, um, whether it's good coverage or not, I, you know, the national media tends to, you know, I'm not going to get into it. But anyways, you know, they've been getting a lot of heat this week about the Stefan Diggs trade. Um, at the time, you know, the amount of picks that they got for Stefan Diggs, I think – Vikings fans, I I don't know if I can speak for all Vikings fans, but 
certainly you and some of the others that I, I know pretty well felt pretty good about the package you guys got in return for Stefan Diggs and thought maybe he was more of a problem than he was a, a help in that on that team. Well, two weeks into the season, Stefan Diggs is leading the NFL in receiving yards for the Buffalo Bills, who are 2-0. Josh Allen looks like an MVP candidate right now, um, in large yeah. part due to having Stefan Diggs. And, you know, the Vikings used that pick essentially. I don't know if they used that pick on, was it Gladney, technically? They used it. That was the Bills pick on Gladney, or was the Bills pick on Jefferson? I think it was Jefferson, right? I think it was Jefferson. Yeah, so they, the Vikings should have had a later pick than that. So I think it was Jefferson. Right, you're right. So they literally used the pick, the the, the premier pick um, in that trade. They used it on um, Justin Jefferson to replace Stephon Diggs. Um, I think it's a little unfair to judge Jefferson because yeah, right. no offseason. As a rookie, it's tough to get to jump right into game action. Um, but th- they're catching a lot of heat for that. And I, I was going to ask you kind of what your thoughts are. Um, like, would you want like a do over on that potentially? Um, maybe it wouldn't work out cap wise now, but, um, just your thoughts on, on how that is transpired now two weeks into the season. No, I don't think I'd want a do over personally. I think, um, I think Justin Jefferson does have the it factor. Um, it's just going to take him a while to get there. It's really hard for a first-year receiver to just come in there and make a, such a big impact right away. I don't think you're going to really see Justin Jefferson really hit full speed until about, like, week eight, nine. And then that's when he's going to finally be fluid in the offense, and they're going to start throwing him out there to be kind of like a spark plug, too. Because um, where they picked Jefferson um, at the time, it didn't seem like any of the offensive linemen that were sitting there made sense, and that was their really big need as far as – I mean, corner was, of course, too, but – Offensive line is just so – they're so thin every year. You get, like, one or two offensive linemen that really stand out in a draft every single year. And those guys were – I think they were already gone at that point. I can't remember who they exactly were, but I think they were gone at that point. Well, the one that I'm, I'm thinking of that's on the, the, at the top of my head right now is Mekhi Becton for the Jets. Now, yeah. the Jets talk about a dumpster fire, and the New York Jets are seriously – I would say the worst team in the fo- in football right now. Uh, you know they're an absolute disaster. But Mackay Becton at tackle has been really good. Um, I've seen some clips on Twitter of him playing, and people are just raving about Becton. Yeah. But besides that, they're you know they got nothing going for him. And what um, was it about Mackay Becton that he dropped so far? There was something I about him. I can't remember. I think he got picked before the Vikings picked anyway. Was before um, that? Yeah, I'm sure it was. I have to go back and look. I can't remember. But, he, I don't know, maybe an experience or something. There, I know there was a few offensive linemen that were taken before, um, before the Vikings picked. Like Tristan Wirfs, I think went to Buccaneers. Um, Mackay Becton went to the Jets. There was some in the top ten even. I can't, like I'm, my oh, memory's yeah. terrible yeah, with Becton all that. Went eleven. Right. So, yeah. I don't really know who was available after when the Vikings were kind of picking. I do know that. Uh, Pretty sure the guy the Titans drafted, he's having some serious legal issues right now. So, you know, that, you know, just, that doesn't look like too bad. Sure thing either. Yeah, it's not a for sure thing. And right. The only the thing is, is what's happening is Riley Reef isn't actually playing all that poorly as he was last year. I think he's a little bit better than he was last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the real big problem that I see with this line is after like after Bradbury and O'Neal, nobody. Because Bradbury and O'Neal have actually been rated pretty high. From what I've been seeing, um, he Bradbury's made a big leap this year as far as 
given the ball to Kirk in the first place. Like it's it's way better it's way better snapping the ball this year, and his pass off his pass blocking has been really good. But then again, you have so many people up front and only two of them are performing well. That's here we go again. Yeah, that's not going to get the job done uh, from a week to week basis. You know, I guess from like a complete grade of their offensive line, I, I would bet they're probably not in dead last in the NFL. But, you know, they're as a unit, they're, you know, they're average or below average at best, I would say. Right. I think what it comes down to is um, whether Kirk can kind of throw this game and just, like, throw it over his shoulder, forget about it, and move on, and maybe try to get – because I think the one of the other problems was not getting Thielen the ball enough either. If you're going to pass the mm-hmm. ball, you got to give it to your main guy, your superstar, and Thielen's your right. superstar. Um, but that's what Kirk does when he is kind of flustered and out of it. He doesn't throw it to the guys you think he should. And – that's always a recipe for disaster. And where the hell are the goddamn tight ends? Yeah, I, I haven't. I mean, Rudolph and Smith—they've been real quiet, haven't they? Yeah, I don't understand it because, like, the whole off season, they just rave about how good this tight end unit's going to be, and that are, are they blocking ninety percent of the time? I wouldn't doubt it if they need the blocking that they're just throwing him in there to block. But I mean, Irv Smith has is the kind of talent for a tight end that you need to give him the ball. And they've been non-existent, both of them. And Kyle Rudolph's that for sure hands guy. So like if it's if it's third and six, like I've been seeing like nine ninety percent of the time, all you gotta do is get Kyle Rudolph past the first down marker, throw it to him. He's he's for sure hands. Yeah, work the middle of the field a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, exactly. And I and the whole and another thing I want to point out about this stupid play calling is when it's third and damn nineteen, for God's sake, do not run Dalvin Cook. Don't. I don't. You, you're. It's literally a zero chance that you get that third and nineteen. You're gonna get that once every hundred times. You're almost better off throwing a screen. I mean, yeah. Not that it's much different than a run, but if you at least if you're throwing like a screen pass to Dalvin Cook, you can get some blockers out in front of them. You might have a exactly. little bit of a better chance. Um. But but I agree. Like running on third and nineteen, third and twenty, like you're just giving up the. Like, you're giving up the ball, essentially. Well, right, and the funny thing is, is before that, they're, they're passing the ball on second down. So why, so if you're going to sit here, you're going to, if you're going to go full in on the pass and you're going to pass on second down, I'd prefer you to run the ball, get five or six yards running the ball, right? And mm-hmm. then you have, now, it's, now it's, instead of a third and 19, it's a third and 13 or 14. And now you actually have a chance to throw the ball and get that first down. Right, and I mean, I I don't have the statistics to back this up, but just watching football for the last, I don't know, 20 years, probably the most important thing that I've noticed for, for, you know, having success on third downs is having third and manageable, like putting yourself in situations on third down where you're not third and nine, third and 12, whatever it is. You know, you're getting yourself in third and twos, third and fours, even third and five or third and six is a lot more manageable than a third and ten. Um, so it opens up the playbook, obviously. And and when you're trapping yourself with these third and longs, you know you're you're gonna you're not gonna be moving the chains very often. Um, and that's something that I think will be important to look at going forward um, with Kubiak and the play calling. Is is you know are they gonna start to develop more of a rhythm with that? Um, you know it is t- it is still early. 
Um, we're two weeks into the season. Obviously, no preseason. So I, I think he deserves a little bit of a pass. I don't know. You seem a little more impatient about it, but you know, maybe that's that's just going to be something you got to look at going forward. It's because um, we're two, it's because we're zero and two. And zero and two, right? It is. There's got to be a little bit more urgency for sure. Um, kind of going back to what you're saying about Adam Thielen, um, and we we had talked about the absence of Diggs. I mean, is it time that you start to question Adam Thielen at all? Because we know he can produce. He did, a, you know, he was able to rack up some stats against the Packers, mm-hmm. but not having Diggs there um, to draw some attention away from Thielen or vice versa. Um, you know, Thielen is going to be the focal point of, of the defensive game plan in the passing game. You know, do you think that's ultimately going to hurt him this year, not having Diggs on the other side? Yes. Um, I would say that it is going to hurt him because he's not going to have the one-on-ones and it's going to, I don't know, he's me covered a lot more than he has been in the past without Diggs. Um, but that's why I talk about like getting Irv Smith involved, getting Kyle Rudolph involved, getting just like even short passes to Justin Jefferson. We get him acclimated to the NFL. You know, you got to get mm-hmm. all your guys involved because if you do that, you're going to bring, if you're throwing a lot of underneath passes and you're throwing a lot of screen passes, those you're going to draw in the defense. You draw on the defense, they're going to probably put, like, say Irv Smith is catching quite a few balls, and odds are they're not going to want to keep throwing a linebacker at him, and maybe they try to, like, get a corner on to get an interception and run it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that pulls a corner off from Thielen, and you got a one-on-one down there, and Thielen's as good as anyone down there on one-on-one ball. Um, yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me. you got You got to for like, I don't know if it's a Kirk Cousins problem, if it's a if it's a Kubiak problem or it's the tight ends problem, I don't know what it is, but you have to get the ball to your tight ends, open mm-hmm. up, the, open up the passing, run the ball plenty. Not none of this 13 handoffs BS. It's Dalvin cook. We're dealing with, um, give Dalvin cook, Dalvin cook the ball early and often get your tight ends involved. And then your passing game is going to be wide open. Yeah. I mean, just, just for comparison's sake, I mean, you look at the Packers, and and going into the season, we we had similar similar thoughts about their wide receiver and playmaking crews. I mean, you look at it, you got a pretty bona fide. I mean, you got bona fide number one receivers on both teams. You know, Devonte Adams, Adam Thielen. I don't know if it's fair to compare those two. I think Devonte Adams is better. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, but but look, Thielen is still a damn good receiver. He's a pro bowler. So it's, I think it's totally fair to label him as a number one receiver, um, especially in that, on that team. But after that, you know, there's a lot of question marks going in. Um, you know, for the Packers, it was like Alan Lazard, Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, some of the tight ends, you know, for the Vikings, Ola B.C. Johnson, Justin Jefferson, and their tight ends. The biggest difference between the two now is like those, those secondary threats for the Packers, like the Scantlings, the Lazards, Bob Tanya, and even Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, like those guys are making plays in the in the passing yep. game, and it's obvious. Like Rodgers is able to distribute the ball around a little more, and maybe it's a Rodgers Cousins thing. I mean, they're not really at the same level, right? Um, but at some point, I, th- I feel like that that's got to be killing the Vikings too with Thielen. Like if Thielen's getting covered, like you gotta you gotta spread the ball around. You gotta these other guys gotta step up and make plays, and Olabis Johnson is not that guy yet. Um, Justin Jefferson is talented, but he's still he's a rookie. He's young, and you know, like you said, where are these tight ends? So, 
you know, that's that's got to be something that probably grinds your gears a little bit, and that's going to be a huge, you know, there's going to be a lens on that for sure, I think, going forward. Well, the, the main comparison I want to look at is if Jimmy Garoppolo can do it, Kirk Cousins can do it. Like, I think the way San Francisco runs their offense is exactly the way that the Vikings should be running their offense. It's a lot of short passes. It's a lot of running the ball. It's a lot of screen passes. You have all three, like, even, like, you look at, like, their running backs. Uh, well, well, when they're healthy, of course. Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, right? Mm-hmm. You compare them to the Vikings running backs. You got Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, and Mike Boone, right? I honestly don't see that big of a gap there. Oh, talent-wise, not at all. And I would even give the edge to Minnesota because I think um, Dalvin Cook's more talented than anything the, the Niners have. I don't even know Madison. He was like a pretty decent like draft pick where Mostert wasn't drafted. So like if you're if you're going to judge it based on draft capital and how talented they are, I would even I would even make the reach that the Vikings have a more talented running back room. Obviously, the 49ers, the production from their running back group is is ridiculous. Um, you know, they know how to get the job done and and that's a huge credit to Kyle Shanahan, obviously. Yep. Um but but continue on with your point. I didn't mean to That's where they should be. That's that's yeah. kind of the offense they should be running. Like of course the offensive line isn't as good. But I think the reason why you see how good San Francisco's offensive line is is because they get rid of the ball quick. They get it in their playmakers' hands and they let them make plays. Mm-hmm. That's and that's what the, the Vikings need to do. Dalvin Cook's a playmaker. Get into his hands. Screen passes. Uh, run plays up the middle. Pitches. You know, and throw him at wide receiver. I mean, he can catch the ball. Like it's not like you can't like run him out there and then have even Madison in the backfield too. Um, right. You've got you've got the receipt. I mean, you've got Adam Thielen. We all know he's a bona fide wide receiver. Justin Jefferson has shown that he's capable of catching the ball and kind of making plays with it. I mean, he had three catches for 47 yards last week. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's not like you can't give him the ball. You've got Irv Smith, who proved he was good last year. Kyle Rudolph has proved time and time again he's got like some of the best hands in the NFL. And then you also signed Tajay Sharp in the offseason, who is a capable receiver. I wouldn't say he's a starting receiver by any means, but you, you signed him in the offseason. Give right. him the ball. Allow him to make a play. If you're getting the ball out fast and quick and not just doing these play actions, wait for things to happen, then when they don't, you're screwed. When they don't happen, you're screwed. So you got to get those, as a lot of people don't like the whole dink, the little dinky passes up. But you know what? They they move the ball. If you can get three or four yards every play, that's a first down every three plays. Do yeah. you think about it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're going to definitely need to step up and, and, and figure out this rhythm on their offense because it's not going to get the job done. You know, putting up that, you know, pretty much – you know, I would say awful effort against the Colts. I mean, you can't you can't be putting up where they score 11 points total. Yeah. Um, and one of them was a garbage time touchdown. So, um, and I mean that's basically all their points right there. But I guess moving quickly because there's some other things I want to get to with the Vikings going forward. But is there anything on this defense that really concerns you? I know they're losing Anthony Barr for the season, yeah. which I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in front of this. This one because I think it's important for me to say this. There's 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 a history with Anthony Barr and injuries and season-ending injuries, uh, particularly pertaining to the Packers' uh, Aaron Rodgers. Um, 
I think I've been on the record saying I don't think the Anthony Barr hit on Rodgers was a dirty hit. Yeah. Um, I did not like that Vikings fans celebrate that injury and continue to. However, I will not be celebrating Anthony Barr being injured. As much as I don't like him, I will not – I mean, I hope – I wish him nothing but the best. Speedy, um, you know, quick, healthy recovery. Um, And hopefully he'll be able to return next year to his form. But, you know, just saying, I'm not going to rub that in on you because it's not not the right thing to do. Yeah, as a a diehard football fan in general – I know that injuries are horrible. They can ruin careers. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. And right. It's just one of those things that I will never cheer for a player getting hurt. Absolutely. And look, yeah, the Packers are like an injury or two away from being in trouble as well as many other teams. So we saw a ton of injuries this week, and, and it's unfortunate for the Vikings that Anthony Barr has lost for the season. But um, I guess circling back to my, my main question here, is uh like what concerns you now about this defense? Um, I think what concerns me the most is Anthony Barr being hurt sucks. Um, yeah, I don't. You're not gonna find a guy to replace him at all. And I think uh you can't you can't just throw in a linebacker and replace that value. Um, and I think the corners were already kind of hurting, and in general, like the whole play of the defense hasn't been great. Um, it also sucks that. Mike Hughes hasn't reported to practice right now um, because he's injured. Uh, Jeff Gladney sounds oh. like he's going to be out again. Uh, sounds like, yeah, it just sounds like there's just more and more that's coming in. And this defense has already been so unproductive as is. Mm-hmm. Now what do you do? Now you got, if, if Mike Hughes doesn't play, Gladney doesn't play, and Anthony Barr doesn't play, right? Well, yeah. Anthony Barr isn't playing. Right. You know that. Out there. Mm-hmm. Um, now what? What do you do? Like your defense is already on the is already almost a disaster zone. What do you do at this point? I mean, I guess they didn't play too bad against Indianapolis. I shouldn't say that they were a disaster. I don't think um, they lost in the game by any stretch of the imagination. No, absolutely not. And that interception by Eric Wilson in the red zone was huge. And they they I don't, I don't remember how many field goals they allowed for Indianapolis, but allowing not allowing them to score touchdowns was huge in that game. Yeah, like the bend don't break defense. Right. Exactly. So if so in that game, essentially, is if Kirk Cousins plays like he should and the offense plays like they should, they win that game easily, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they didn't. And the, I think the defense pretty much stood up pretty well. But we'll They see held their own, that, it seems. Yeah, now that Barr is out, now that Mike Hughes is hurt, and now that Gladney's hurt, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, not to not to continue to be the, the gloom and doom upon your um, emotions here, but kind of looking into the next few games, I mean, you know, Minnesota, I guess I can kick this back for a second to say that in the past when Minnesota's offense has struggled, they could always kind of lean on their defense to help them get through some tough moments, some wins, right? You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if they can do that going forward. Their defense is it's serviceable, or they showed that they could be serviceable last week. Week one, obviously, they got torn apart, but. I mean, right. you look at their schedule upcoming, just their next three games here. Um, you know, Tennessee at home, then it's at Houston, right? And at Seattle. Yeah. yeah. Yep, at Houston, at Seattle. So this 0-2 could turn into 1-4. and I mean, I don't think it'll get to 0-5, but it could be 0-5. If I mean, 
if this defense like they're injured, this offense doesn't get it figured out. They're not they're not able to to lean on this defense, and not, this offense hasn't yeah. shown anything. So I'm not going to sleep on Houston. Well, I'm they not either, still, right? Yeah, they still have Deshaun Watson, Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller's good when he's healthy, David Johnson. Their defense is serviceable. Like if if they don't figure out something quick, this season's gone, and they may as well lose the rest of the games because at that point, if you, if you start 0 5, good luck. And even like after that, they play Atlanta, they play Green Bay again, they play the Lions, they play the Bears, they play the Cowboys. Like this could turn really ugly really fast. Yeah, I mean, you know, as far as like tanking is concerned, I think it's a little too early to be having that conversation. Um, but look, I I think there's some some for sure panic that's that's happening right now. And right. for the for the Vikings, and when you look at the schedule, it's it just they just aren't getting a break. I mean, if you think about it, they're zero two now, and maybe if they got like the Lions at home next week or something, they can kind of rally around a win and kind of get some momentum going. But they're just going right back into it with a two and zero Tennessee Titans team, which you know they could. I could see the Vikings winning that game, right? It's yeah, at I home. Could too. There's no fans, whatever. The home field advantage is mitigated, but um. You know the Titans, as far as two and O teams are concerned, like the Titans aren't. I don't see them as like a super scary team. I mean, they're a very good team. They're a solid team. But I think the Vikings are capable of, of beating them. But I, I don't know if I'd pick the Vikings to win the game. No, I wouldn't either at this point. And and you know, so you're playing a solid, well-coached team in the Titans, and then you're going to play Houston and. And Houston plays, I believe, so they they played the two toughest teams in the AFC, in my opinion, weeks one and two. They played Kansas City, and then they played Baltimore. I believe this week they play Pittsburgh, who a lot of people are putting Pittsburgh in that top tier in the AFC. So that's you're talking about three of the toughest teams in their conference they start the season against. And then they get the Vikings at home. So you, it's very possible you could be looking at that matchup there, which a lot of people probably thought would be a good, you know, a good Vikings team, a good Houston Texans team, you know, two teams that advanced in the playoffs last season, um, meeting in Week Four, they could both be zero and three. Yeah. So, so you're gonna get, you're probably gonna get a desperate Texans team Week Four, and Week Five in Seattle. I mean, I don't know if I would, who I would pick as the best team in in the NFC, but Seattle's absolutely in that absolutely, conversation. Yeah, they're way up there. So it's just a ruthless schedule for the Vikings and. And look, Green Bay is going to have some tough stretches too. Like Green Bay plays in in New Orleans this week. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, they also, you know, they got Tampa Bay coming up. Um, you know, they got some Atlanta too. They got some tougher games. And Atlanta's own too, but Atlanta has one of the better offenses in the league. So, yeah, it's it's not an easy easy go for the Vikings at all. Um, but if you know if they could sneak a win here this week, I mean that could really turn around their season. They're going to well, need something yeah. for momentum. So in the NFL, if a team like the Vikings can get one of those sneaky wins, the momentum just shifts completely. Mm-hmm. And then they could go they could go maybe on a run. I, I wouldn't say so. The schedule's tough, man. It's just... Yeah, it could, get, it could go downhill fast. And I don't know if everyone's really prepared for that. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> at all. <laughs> so we'll see how that plays out. Um, you know, I guess still early in the season, but to wrap things up, um, there's definitely some panic for you 
I'd say, I mean, you you basically said DEFCON five for your, uh, for your panic. Oh yeah. So it's it's all go panic, panic mode for for you. I'm sure many Vikings fans feel the same. Um, and now we can kind of transition smoothly into the opposite end of the spectrum with with the Packers. Let's hear. Which I'm which I'm happy to say we're two and zero. You know, there's no panic for us, for me personally. Um, you know, I'm not going to jump out ahead of everything and, and start, you know, coming up with these expectations for, for a championship um, because it's still too early. You know, two weeks in the season, I think it's obviously been like a, a very ideal, perfect start for Green Bay, but it's still too early for me to uh, – to really expect that to continue, um, for that to be a normalcy for them this year. Um, they, they've been getting a lot of attention, and rightfully so. Um, you know, they had an impressive win over the Vikings week week one. Um, and, look, they they look very good against Detroit in week two here. Um, you know, kind of alluding to what I said last week, Detroit was going to come in pretty desperate. Um, you know, Green Bay had to weather that storm a little bit. and you know, look, Detroit, they were up 14-3 to three to start the game. Yeah. So maybe that's a little concerning for me, um, that their defense just kind of – it took them a little while to wake up. But, look, I mean, they went on like a 39-7 to seven run to end the game or something like that. Yeah. I mean, they they have the best offense right now in the NFL, averaging, you know, I guess with defense too. Like as a total, their team is averaging like 42 points a game. It's like 41.5, I think, 42.5. Yeah, they're averaging a lot of points. Um, averaging a ton of points. They have over a thousand yards of offense through two weeks. Um, I mean that's that's absurd. I I don't expect that to necessarily continue though, because look, they played a very inexperienced Vikings defense where they were able to pick on some matchups on the outside. Yep. And similar with the with the Lions, you know, missing some guys as well in the secondary. So I'm not gonna put too much stock into it, but definitely the start we wanted to see as Packer fans. I mean, we, us Packer fans in Packerland, not, not so much me and you since you're a Vikings fan, but Mm -hmm. yeah, no. um, Yeah. As about as good a start you can get for you guys. I I think I can't believe they put up that many points again. It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. We, I didn't think I'd be sitting here two weeks in the season in full panic mode for the Vikings and <laughs> you completely like overjoyed with the start, you know, it's right. It's a way different result than I thought. I thought it'd be more of like, um, we'd be talking positives about both teams. Maybe we're both sitting at like, maybe you're still sitting at two and oh, Vikings are sitting at one and one and there's some things to pick around, but it's just right now. Mm-hmm. I just can't find any positivity with the Vikings. And I don't think I can find any flaws with the Packers at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think the Packers are definitely exceeding expectations. Um, you know, all with all the points, with the with all the yards, I don't really, like I said, I'm not putting too much weight into the points or the yards. What I am gonna really focus in on and and highlight as being like a very positive thing for this team is just how they're how they're getting it done on offense. Um, they're just multifaceted. I think a lot of people were were. Uh, weary of their weapons aside from Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. And even Aaron Jones got a little bit of, you know, uncertain question, you know, questions about 
how much he'd be used going into the season with them drafting AJ Dillon. But man, they they can get it done in the air. They can get it done on the ground. Um, Aaron Jones might be, you know, now considered. You might have to consider him now one of the most dynamic playmakers in the NFL. I mean, he's running for 160 yards, but he's also catching. Like he got like 60 or 70 yards receiving last week. Yeah. Um, and and some of that is screen passes, but a lot of it too. Um. Like he wind up wide as a like a slot wide receiver, ran a streak down the field over a cornerback, basically mossed a cornerback. Um, yep. I mean that's just absurd for a running back to be able to do that. Probably pretty embarrassing for like that cornerback. But like they had Devonte Adams go off in week one. Aaron Jones had his day in week two. With Devonte Adams, really it was quiet. I know he got hurt a little bit, and they took him out for precautionary reasons, but. And they, they can get it done multiple ways. And, and Lazard and Valdez Scantling, they're showing up. You know, they're making making big catches when they need to. I mean, Lazard had like a really nice fourth down conversion catch across the middle of the field. Valdez Scantling caught another deep ball. He was involved in a lot of different plays. Um, it was actually good to see him. He had like a really nice crossing round, I think, pretty early in the game where he just wide open. And getting that guy in open space, I mean, with how fast he is. That's that's encouraging for sure. Um, and then Jamal Williams, you know, I think he's typically your underrated player on this offense, especially for people who aren't too familiar with the Packers. Um, maybe don't watch them every week um, like yourself. But, you know, Jamal Williams, when he's in the game and Aaron Jones is taking a breather, there's no worry or hesitation in my mind that, you know, there's there's no slowing down. And uh, yep. and that's huge for this offense. I mean, they drafted A.J. Dillon in the second round, and they don't even need him. Um, you know, they obviously they don't need Jordan Love right now either, so it's easy to look at their draft class and, and pick on them and say, well, they, you know, they wish they could have got some more help for this team. But really, their offense, like, they've shown us really no reason to worry through two weeks. So, um, you know, I'm not going to nitpick and try to find things that I'm worried about. Um, I will say that I'm not, you know, I, I will – I'll be patient with them. I'm not gonna. I'm not sold that this offense is a perfect offense, but um, you know they were able to take care of business the first two weeks, and you know they're gonna have a little bit more of a test this week um, against the Saints, who I think are a much you know superior opponent to what they've what they've seen as far as an offense to defense um, of matchup. Yeah, and I think it's about as good of a year two start for Lafleur as I, you could imagine. I think the biggest question with Lafleur last year was uh, their offense really got going right away, and like the scripted plays always seemed to work for them. Mm-hmm. But then once you got into the third, fourth quarter, it seemed like it wasn't nearly as um, a dynamic team as you thought it was. But they were able right. to pull out all those games because they got ahead so fast. Um, but this year, it's just been full steam ahead, and the whole game, it just seems like everything's coordinated out perfectly. They're not just running plays off script, hoping hoping to get the mm-hmm. best out of it. It seems like there's that team is just so fluid right now. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually, um, that I haven't really brought up much. But you're right. Last year, it was very obvious to me watching the games that, you know, with the game script, obviously, yep. like you, as an offense, when you when you go into a game plan, you have a game script where you plan out the first maybe, what, 10, 15, 20 plays. I guess it yep. depends probably. And, like, the Packers were always their – game, their game script was always phenomenal. Like, they came out hot most games. Yep. Um. 
and it and it was and it was great for them to get off to those hot starts but then you know there were some consistency issues that would that would entail you know going into you know towards the end of the game middle of the game and stuff like that where they weren't really necessarily able to put opponents away with their offense it was kind of get out to a lead hold that lead and win the game ugly as yep. they say exactly. whereas this year you know two games where you know they they got out to leads and they pretty much buried the teams. I mean, the Vikings had some life there where they kept scoring, but Green Bay just answered everything with, with touchdown after touchdown. And with Detroit, you know, they got off to a, a, a tough start against Detroit, but that offense just didn't slow down once they got going. So very encouraging signs for sure. Yeah, I think um, that's what you want in a, in a new head coach, too. I think when they hired LaFleur right away, I kind of scoffed at it because I was like, who is this guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought there there are more candidates out there to kind of think about, but I mean, it seems like they nailed it. And I think you have to look at it a certain way. Like there is, of course, the first year is growing pains, and I guess the growing pains got them to the NFC Championship game. Um, but it, it just it looks way more fluent now. Like it just seems like he's mastering his craft in his second year as a head coach. And I mean, it helps a lot to have the guys he has. Ha- have, coming into an offense with Aaron Jones already, with Devontae Adams, with Aaron Rodgers, with a good offensive line, that helps a lot. But I've seen a lot of coaches come into an offense that's just awesome, and they fail, and they just kind of flunk out and leave. Like, you can use, like, you can use, like, the Cleveland Browns for an example of that. Like, it seems like they can't make the right coaching hire. Well, you got to mm-hmm. get the right coach in there. You can't just throw... Joe Schmo in there and then think that you're going to win every game. It's all about coaching. Coaching comes first. And then it's how those players react to the coaching and how they play with the scheme. And I think it's just been by far just a great, great overall coaching hire for the Packers. Yeah, absolutely. looks like a home run so far. Um, I mean, there's no complaints about going eight. No, in your first eight games in the division, um, you know, sixteen and four as a head coach for Green Bay. That's look, that's that's pretty impressive start for for Matt Lafleur. So, um, you know, hopefully, hoping he can keep it going. And and this team has a lot more in stake for him this year. Um, and, which I think now they're they're starting to build some championship aspirations. I think I think internally they always have had that. Um, you know, for me as a fan, trying to be optimistic, I've had those aspirations. Yeah. Um, and I think. Look, the you know maybe the media, the national media, is starting to top on board a little bit and look at this team as a serious contender. Which um, through two weeks, it's absolutely um, a fair classification for them. So, um, but a lot of that, you know, I think I think this week will be very interesting, and we can we can go back to the Vikings here after this um, and look more in depth at their Week Three matchup. But look, Green Bay's got a Sunday night football game in in New Orleans. Um, you know, they got it's going to be one of those games that we circled on the schedule going into the season. Um, you know, the New Orleans Saints were 13 and three last year. Green Bay was 13 and three last year. I mean, we're talking about two two very good football teams here in the NFC that that are both in the in the discussion for for home field advantage and and winning the conference. But um, I'm excited for that one for sure. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, no, it's going to be a fun game. I think uh, it's going to be a very fun game to watch in general just because it's 
Breeze and Rodgers, and you're going to see a lot of big plays. Kamara has been really good this year so far. He's going to, I'm sure he's going to play well in this game too. Aaron Jones has been really good so far. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be probably like the premier game of the, of the week, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm expecting a very good game. Like, New Orleans didn't look very good on Monday night. Um, you know, they lost to a Ra- Raiders team that I think a lot of people, you know, might have thought otherwise. I think New Orleans was pretty heavily favored on the road and a lot of experts picking them and they, you know, they came out and the Raiders really dominated them. Um, I expect this game, Green Bay and New Orleans, I expect New Orleans to bounce back. Um, and I think it's going to be a close game. Um, you know, you got, you got some two pretty good offenses. Look, I mean, Breeze and Rogers, both Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So that, that's enticing as far as the matchup goes. I think Jones and Kamara are very comparable with their skill set. Um, you know, you got, Two guys that can catch the ball pretty well in the backfield. Two guys that, um, you know, home run hitters on the ground. So, from a matchup perspective, it's it's very interesting. Um, I don't know. I guess I feel like we gotta we gotta keep giving the the predictions. What do you think? Well, I think it's I think it's just gonna be. I don't know. I'm so Mike. I I can't get over this whole Vikings thing right now. I'm so sorry, but it's just it's it's burning. It hurts so bad. Well, let's let's give a little quick prediction for this game, and then we'll move on to the Vikings Titans. Um, I guess my prediction, I I'm I'm gonna keep rolling with the Packers, man. I'm gonna predict a win, but I think it's gonna be a tight one. And I think it's gonna be a great test. I'm gonna say 28 to 24 Green Bay. Oh, that's think, close to what I think it's gonna be. We we've been pretty close on our predictions, yeah. but what do you got? I got 31 24 Green Bay. Okay, you think by a touchdown? Yep. So I, I think it's going to take a more wholesome effort from the Packers to win this week, and I think their defense is going to show up in a big way. Um, their defense has been a little bit opportunistic so far this year, but um, you know, I think I think this is going to be – if Green Bay is able to win this week, it's going to be a complete team effort. It's not going to be um, their offense going out and putting up 40 points again. I just don't see that against the Saints team. I mean, it's definitely possible. I think the Saints showed that they have some issues. Um, they had some issues against the Raiders. No one looks at the Raiders as a high-powered offense. They put up over 30 on them. Um, but I think the Saints are going to be motivated. I think the Saints, yep. they are a good football team. Everyone loses games they shouldn't, and that happened to the Saints last weekend. I think they'll bounce back, but I still think Green Bay is going to be able to beat them, um, and they're just going to keep this thing rolling. Um, but now moving on to the Vikings here. Um, what are your predictions about the Vikings game? Well, let's see here. Um, hold on. Let's see here. Uh, the Titans are going to score 7, 14, 21, 28, 34 points. And the Vikings are going to score like 17. So you think it's going to be I a I have blowout. no faith in this team at all right now. I have, I have nothing to look forward to. There's been no shining moment at all this year. And I just... The Titans have played super well. It seems like Ryan Tannehill is exactly what they signed him to be. And if, I mean, if the Vikings are out, Mike Hughes, Jeff Gladney, like, good luck. Like, it's going to be a complete, it's going to be a war zone out there. You're going to see A.J. Brown plays this week. It's going to be, like, eight receptions, 150 mm-hmm. yards, and two touchdowns. I, mean, I, that's... I, I go based off the evidence, okay? Mm-hmm. So what the evidence is showing me is the Titans are good and the Vikings are bad. 
Yeah, I would say so. If the Vikings can squeak one out, it's going to be super close. It's going to be like a field goal win or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I just don't see – I don't have a glimmer of hope right now. I mean, that's – that's I love hearing all that, all that panic. <laughs> that is so good to hear. Um, <laughs> but I will, I will be a little more optimistic for the Vikings. I, I'm going to take the Titans in this one, mm-hmm. and this is going to be unconventional. But I'm picking the Titans to win 38 to 35. I think it's going to be a shootout. Okay. I think it's going to be a shootout. It's going to be a close game. I think Kirk Cousins is going to bounce back because, look, we talked about this before we started uh, recording the call here. Kirk Cousins, he's he like he is so much like the epitome of an average quarterback. And it's it's funny that he, when he does well, he seems to find a way to regress down to the mean and like. When he starts playing terrible, he figures out to how to get it going. So I think Kirk Cousins is going to show up and play a, a great game against the Titans, and he's going to need it because the Titans have a great defense. Jadavion Clowney is going to be all over him, um, oh, and and the Vikings got to figure out a way to stop him. Um, and they got studs all around too, like their safety is an All Pro, Biard. I again, we don't see the Titans very often, so I don't know all, all their guys, but but um, the Titans defense was a big part of their what how you know their success last year so you think um but i think the vikings are going to figure them out and i think they're gonna they're gonna put up some points on them but i think the titans are going to put up more points on them do you think the vikings couldn't stop jonathan taylor and aaron jones watch this game derrick henry is going to run over people and especially with with anthony Barr being out it's like it's going to look brutal mm-hmm. it just so feels like it's going to be a shootout to me i don't know okay. I, there's no reason for it I don't have any kind of weird stats to back that up. I just feel like it's going to be one of those games where they just come out, both teams just gunning on offense. And I'm I'm not saying all passing game, but I have a feeling that Cousins is going to put up like 300-something yards, throw for three touchdowns. Cook's going to get going. Henry's going to be running all over. Tannehill's going to look good too. It's, I just think it's going to be a highly offensive game. I'd much rather so. see that than, than watch the Colts beat the Vikings 28-11. to Oh. Oh, for an entertainment standpoint, absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I, if the Vikes lost in that kind of fashion, I'd be like, at least I can go into like next week's podcast. Like, okay, here are the positives. Right. And I think I think my guess is that you will. I think you're going to come into next week, even if they're 0-3, there's going to be some positives to lean on because it's very, it's very rare that the Vikings, even under Zimmer's tutelage, that they've just left you scratch in your head every, I mean, like multiple weeks in a row. It seems like they... You know, they have their ups, they have their downs. Um, last week was obviously a pretty brutal low for them. Yep. Um, but I think they'll they'll start answering some questions this week um, and maybe play a little bit more inspired football and, and maybe, you know, surprise some people with, with what they're able to do. But ultimately, I think the Titans are going to win. So. Yeah, you too. I think the Titans are going to win. It's not going to be relatively close. So I guess that's that's our first big um, difference in opinion on like score wise. I mean we've been all mm-hmm. we've been really close on these predictions. Um, as far as our opinions have been pretty right. much aligned, but but this is our first one that we're. I mean we were way wrong on the Vikings week two prediction, but we were both way wrong. This is you know we're, we're our difference in opinion here is uh, is unusual, but I'm looking forward to watching some more football this weekend. Um, but yeah, I guess that's about it. We kind of, we kind of, we went through a lot today. Yeah, 
I went through a lot today. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a there's a lot emotions. more, a lot more serious talk that needs to be happening about the Vikings and the Packers right now. But you know, that's just how it goes sometimes. Yeah, it's like it's like having a nightmare over and over again, Mike. I mean, if hey, look, if the Packers were 0 2, we'd be talking about like, you know, when is Aaron Rodgers going to be done and moving on and all that. So, um, you know, that a lot of that's been put to rest with this 2 and 0 start. Yeah. So, it's uh, it's nice to get a break from that. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, week three coming up, um, tough games for both our teams here. Very important game for the Vikings, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, both. I still think the uh, Saints are a very important game too, but. Um. Yeah, we'll see. Are the Vikings going to be able to answer some questions? Are the Packers going to continue their hot start? We will find out this weekend. So. Yeah, that's all I got here. Um, hopefully, I'm not as upset this next podcast, but we'll see. I mean, yeah, that's all I got. That's all you got. So, and that's all I got. So, follow us on Twitter, four below Dom at four below Mike. Um, hit us up on there if you want or not. Um. Yeah, have a great one. Enjoy football this weekend. SEC's back this weekend, I think, right? Yep, yep. So that's pretty cool. Um, But, yeah, have a great weekend. Uh, Go Pack Go. Yeah, bye.